Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Aquademia Podcast. I'm Sean O'Loughlin. I'm Justin Grant. And today we are going to be hearing a conversation between just myself and Larson Mettler from S2G Ventures talking about investing in new and innovative seafood technologies. But before we get into that, I want to, as I always do, remind everyone to please subscribe to Aquademia wherever you listen to podcasts so you can get every new episode directly downloaded onto your device as soon as it becomes available. And we are on Twitter at AquademiaPod. You can also contact us through an online form located at globalseafood.org slash podcast. Please remember to take a minute and leave us a rating and review on whichever podcast platform you use. Enjoy this conversation I have with Larson and we will talk to you at the end. Welcome to the Aquademia Podcast. Our diet is hurting the environment in myriad ways. I mean, we desperately need to eat more seafood. This is a pioneering industry with a whole lot of people who have really good ideas and a lot of experience and are unafraid. Aquademia is your go-to podcast for a fresh take on all things seafood. So we're sitting down today, or I'm sitting down today with Larson Mettler, who is the uh, managing director of S2G Ventures Oceans Fund. How's it going, Larson? Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And uh, S2G is doing some pretty remarkable work and, and is has investments in a lot of different fields. But before we get into what you guys are actually doing and what you do and how other people can get involved, I want to talk about you because you're here and you're important. So. Tell us a little bit about yourself, like kind of who you are, where you came from, and how you got into uh, what you're doing. Yeah, thank you. Um, so my career in, in seafood and, and oceans goes back uh, about 15 years. I started my career as an investment banker, um, largely focused on uh, technology investment banking, uh, as well as some commercial banking, and moved to Seattle for that purpose. Over time, um, you know, kind of early mid 2000s we continued to see uh, technology slide a little bit as everybody everybody knows uh, and the bank that I was with key bank uh, had a large commercial banking portfolio in seafood and particularly in Alaska and the west coast and we saw regulatory changes in particular you know, Amer- the American Seafoods Act Magnus and Stevens Act uh, making changes in the right direction for sustainable seafood um, as well as responsible fishing practices that we believe would start promoting consolidation. And we started seeing a little bit of deal flow in those areas around mergers and acquisitions, as well as syndicated debt transactions. And we decided to it was time to, to launch our own group that was specifically focused on seafood. So uh, I ended up heading up the KeyBank Capital Markets Seafood Investment Banking Group. Um, we started out in Alaska focused on pollock, cod, and salmon, and okay. expanded through North America, Europe, and Asia. Um, I ran that group until 2016, at which point in time I ended up joining one of our client companies called Silver Bay Seafoods. And I first interacted with Silver Bay in 2014 when I restructured their debt and then brought in minority partners uh, of Starkist, as well as their parent company, Don Juan. Um, so... Two years later, I joined as an investor in the company and as their CFO, and we grew the company significantly over about four and a half years that I was there, um, largely in uh, building new plants and new geographies and salmon, um, partnering with the fishermen and putting new technologies and practices in place. 
Uh, we also expanded down into California as well, um, into the squid fisheries. Over that time, I, you know, we, we saw a lot of progress in the fisheries. Um, it was a well-managed fishery, continues to be so today. Well-managed company. Uh, and you know, it, was, it was great to see the improvements that we were making to the fishery, to the fishermen, to the communities that were interacting with, with this fishery. But uh, we kept seeing curveballs thrown by Mother Nature that were outside of our control. So uh, increasing water temps, algae blooms, ocean acidification, increasing predation. So you know, it was the typical story of, of seafood of, you know, on the wild side in particular, uh, volatility in the markets, both on the supply side and on the demand side. Um, and I, I started thinking, you know, there's, there's got to be some ways that we can change this or start to address this issue. Um, I started looking into mariculture, you know, seaweed permits, oysters, things like that, that Silver Bay could pursue. But based on Silver Bay's business model and the scale, it wasn't the, the right opportunity and the right place to be, be driving change throughout the sector. Um, so it was early 2020 when I spoke with S2G. Um, I was familiar with what they had done on the food and ag side and had prior conversations with them of moving into the oceans and seafood sector as a natural extension of building a, a healthy and humane planet um, and, and reimagining the food system. Um, so moved over in August of 2020, and with my co-managing director, Kate Danaher, we launched our fund. So S2G was doing what they, they were already doing this work in with like terrestrial. Correct. Terrestrial proteins and, and plant foods and everything, right? Yeah, through, throughout the entire supply chain. So S2G started in 2014. Um, it was about a $125 million fund. And they really wanted to focus again on you know, the tagline of a healthy and humane planet, which is mm -hmm. focused around, um, you know, reinventing the food system, not only for humans, but also for animals and, and the environment in general on the planet. Uh, they started investing throughout the entire, uh, throughout the entire supply chain. So you can think of the building blocks of the supply chain as things like plant DNA and soil health and work the way all, their way all the way down through CPG, right? So everything in between around, um, you know, raising animals, around production, around disruptive technologies. Um, so really took the thesis of if you want to cause change, you need to understand every piece of the supply chain and be able to influence every piece of the supply chain. Um, so th they, they've been very successful over time in doing that, um, you know, managing over a billion dollars in capital. Uh, so, so I, I want to stop you right there. So, how does it sure. how does it work? Because they S2G is not the one doing making the investments, right? It's you you connecting investors with projects. Well, how does how does it work? It, uh, S2G I, is I, making the investments. Okay, I, I I don't understand how any of this money thing works. So, <laughs> walk sure. walk me through it in in layman's terms. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, we we have limited partners in the fund that contribute capital into S2G that S2G manages that that capital for. And we seek out entrepreneurs that are doing, you know, have similar beliefs and similar values and pursuing similar goals as S2G has stated. And S2G will provide funding for those entrepreneurs to grow their companies, as well as really a lot of hands-on guidance, team building, uh, network building, and partnerships um, throughout the life cycle of the company. So um, what we look at is, is 
you know, you can think of it as like, you know, Shark Tank, but but a lot nicer than Shark Tank. Um, <laughs> a lot, but, but, a lot friendlier. A lot friendlier, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very nice. And so you approached them about uh, expanding into seafood, which why why had they not already been working in seafood if they had been in every other sector of of agri food? Sure. Yeah. So so it actually went went the opposite way. They came in and talked to me about it. Oh, okay. Um, I first spoke with S two G as they were looking at this as a natural extension because they they were in chicken pork beef plants um you know and, and seeing success there milk i mean kind of kind of the entire terrestrial food chain yeah, yeah. and you know you look at the at how much of the population you know uh, seafood represents about 20 percent protein globally right so there was this big 20 percent gap that they weren't touching um, from a climate perspective, there's also the realization of if we want to drive true measurable outcomes in climate change and benefits, we need to to look at the ocean because this yeah. is the main driver. Um, so I started yeah, kind of, with kind of a, a big factor. Yeah, kind of <laughs> a big factor. Um, so we started talking in 2016 about investments that they were looking at. Okay. Um, and over that period of time, over their, those four years, they they only made one investment, but continued to look at the sector and realized that it is so different from everything that is happening in the terrestrial sectors that it needs its own dedicated team and its own dedicated fund to pursue it. Um, you know, it's it's a much more worldwide um, integrated web and longer supply chain than anything else they had encountered before. So. Um, it it takes a very specialized set of skills and knowledge to to address this. Yeah, seafood is crazy. It's 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 crazy. I, I, we're, the people that work in this in, industry, we're all nuts, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a little bit of nuts. Yeah, a little yeah. bit of genius. <laughs> yeah, little. Okay, you can say that. I'll take that. What year was this that they that they started uh, investing? In 2016. 2016. Okay, so not too far into their into their uh, a couple. Yeah, like two years. Thing. Just a couple years. Okay, so yeah, they so noticed I, I, it pretty quickly, but. Again, kind of took a pause, right? Said, "Wow, this is this is much more complicated than we had." Right? Originally do you remember? Do you, do you are you allowed to say what that first investment was? Uh, I'd rather not. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I asked. Okay, so so what is what is it doing now? Like, where where is it at now? What what are we looking at in regard to the portfolio uh, around the oceans? Yeah, sure. So so today we have a, a hundred million dollar fund. We are okay. investing worldwide. Um, we're supporting entrepreneurs. We only take a minority position in companies. We love to co-invest both with other cor- uh, other funds as well as corporates. Um, we really look at you know what's called venture um, C through Series B. So these are companies that are early in their life cycle, um, and we are taking a very similar approach to investing throughout the entire supply chain, like S2G did on the food mag side, and we really think that there's some global shifts that are converging with innovation um, in this sector. So we're seeing accelerating climate change. We're seeing demand for the products outpacing supply. Uh, and we're really seeing a, a big drive by consumer awareness, both around you know what they're eating and the impact that it's having on the planet, um, as well as how the ocean can you know continue to, to help the planet as well. So we think that we're at a real inflection point now that we do have technology that is either being developed specifically into fisheries, oceans, and seafood, mm-hmm. or 
we're starting to see adaptation from other platforms and industries coming into the sector. Um, and we think that by investing across really what we think are, are three platforms, uh, we look at ecosystem resilience. So that is protecting the oceans, regenerating the oceans, um, you know, is, is paramount in the success. Uh, mm -hmm. We also look at resource optimization. So um, maximizing the value of the resources that we are taking from the oceans and utilizing from it. Uh, that could be everything from coming up with new material sciences, like, you know, plastics from algae. Um, it could be also looking at, um, you know, maximizing the use of byproducts. So when you think about catching a fish, flaying it, et cetera, you know, you're getting somewhere between 52 to 72% of the fish typically meat. What are you doing with the rest of it? Historically, it's ground up, thrown back in the ocean. Um, you know, crab shells historically have been thrown back in the ocean. We're seeing all kinds of unique material sciences going around. How do you, how do you utilize that in a, in a more efficient manner? And it benefits everybody in the supply chain as well as, well as uh, the ecosystem. Are um, you, I don't want to interrupt because I know no you're, kind of, you're yeah. going to get to the third one, but that just kind of questions yeah. <laughs> coming to me as, as it's coming up. So when you're looking at like the byproducts, this is something that's, that I, I find really interesting. Are you seeing crossover, a lot of crossover between the different ag in industries? So like byproducts being ground up and used uh, in fertilizer for plant-based farms or anything like that? Yeah, there's, you know, there's... A great example um, that I, it's a fascinating company. We are not invested in it, but I, I really like them. It's called Tidal Vision. Um, Tidal Vision. They they are taking crab shells and they can do it with any crustacean. Um, they're extracting chitosan, and, which is one of the most abundant biopolymers on the planet, and they're turning it into three main products. The first is an antimicrobial product. So you can think of it as going into sneakers, going into car seats, things like that. It's also flame re a flame retardant. Um, so oh. really unique properties there. Uh, they That's are, wild. They're using it as they're also generating a product that um, is used for water purification and water treatment. And then they're doing a third one, which is uh, a biodefense product. They've discovered that chitosan will elicit a, a natural reaction within plants. Um, to defend itself from pests and you know um, diseases and things like that. So, so a, a more yeah, natural so, way than than using chemicals, right? Exactly. Right. Wow. Right. Much clearer how you, way. How do you find out that this stuff is in like crab shells? Like, what do you have to? You know, it's crazy. You have, like, the genius part, right? I said yeah. there are some people that are genius in the industry, but you know what? You got to be nuts. But these guys, <laughs> these you got to be nuts. The scientists, right? The scientists, <laughs> the entrepreneurs. Yeah, it's real. All right. All right, so what's the third? Sorry to interrupt. No, no problem. The third, the third is a consumer-centric focus, and that is, you know, what I was talking about. Uh, we think that there's a culture and a movement around health and environment that are driving the consumer choices. Absolutely. Um, you know, that can be sustainability, traceability, security of food systems. Um, it also has to do with, you know, in our minds. Uh, you know, the, the long-standing issues that people have had with seafood, consume, uh, convenience, preparation, presentation, and, and cost around products. And as, as we've developed our investment theory, we really think that there's a number of investments that cross over these pillars and touch each one of them. And we think they are independent. So addressing them in silos is generally ineffective. But if we can pursue these all 
very systemic solutions, then then we'll be effective in in moving the entire supply chain. Fascinating. Again, and and do you see crossover between those? We do very much so. Yeah. And when we think about those, we started breaking them further down into categories. Uh, yeah. Of kind of the building blocks again of you know on the ocean side. We start thinking about it from you know when S2G says we're looking at soil health, plant DNA, things like that. We're starting with the building blocks of ocean data and IoT, right? So there is a huge lack of understanding of what's happening in the ocean. The information that is there is very disparate. It's not being knit together and, and used in a meaningful way. Um, if it is, it's it's usually siloed and access is only provided to a few. So you know, we're really starting with the building blocks of, let's go figure out what's happening in the ocean. Let's collect that data so we can make more informed decisions by learning from the past and you know building predictive models. So you know, when you think about stuff like aquaculture, let's understand you know not just where the ocean is today and what's causing you know algae blooms and where algae blooms are going to be in the next year, where super chills are going to happen, but where are the best you know sites going to be in the next 30 years, right? For for what specific fish, um, if we're building out kelp farms what kelp is is suitable for you know today and the longer term what types of coral are, are best what are heat resistant right i think there's there's a lot of kind of basic understanding of the ocean that we need to we need to figure out before we can move forward and, and pursue our other areas of, of interest right what about uh so aquaculture you, you mentioned aquaculture mm-hmm. what about on the fisheries side is there a balance there that you guys are are kind of looking at is it does it not matter? Do you, you know, a, a good a good company is a good company and worth investing in? What uh, what it, you know what are we looking at between aquaculture and fisheries? Yeah, we so I mean, we want how, to... how how different is that right? Like what 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 are the different challenges that you face with them? Yeah, so we we want to invest in all of them. Um, you know, I actually I'll add another leg to the stool there. Um, so I I have a personal belief that there's going to be a balance between wild fisheries, aquaculture, and cultivated meats. So okay. I, I think it's going to grow and, and then probably some other alternative, you know, plant forms of, of seafood as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's kind of just on the, at the, at the infant at the stages, cusp. right? Yeah. Yeah. Right but, but you know, our, our wild fisheries are at capacity. You know, some of them are overfished. Some of them are declining. I, I don't think we're in a position at this point in time to increase production out of wild fisheries. And we have a growing population that we need to feed that relies on these proteins. So um, when we think about the wild fisheries, there's efficiencies in going out and catching fish. There's efficiencies on, as we just talked, we talked about just a little bit ago, on how you utilize that fish in the most efficient manner. Um, and there's methods for, for catching them and understanding what Im- the impact is on the environment. So that could be everything from, you know, addressing ghost gear that's coming out of wild fisheries. It could come out of the waste and byproducts. It can come out of, uh, you know, decarbonizing fishing fleets. It can come out of, you know, properly assessing wild fishery stocks. We continue to see evolving models there and, and technologies used to, to really understand what our impact is. Yeah, and I imagine you're looking for companies that are able to strike a balance uh, where there's a positive impact regarding efficiencies and, and, you know, something that will result in actual probably fiscal, you know, better money for the fishermen, really. But also um, with like ocean conservation 
in mind. I, I imagine a lot of the companies that you're looking at are doing both. Right? A, a, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple examples on, on the wild side of, of companies we've invested in so far. Um, one, which I, I have been asked not to name, but we will That's name fun. soon, is a satellite technology company uh, that does maritime surveillance. So Very cool. most wild fishery you know, any vessel that's on the ocean has AIS and people can turn off that AIS and not be tracked anymore um, until today. So the satellite <laughs> company can pick up a unique frequency that's put off by any vehicle with an engine, assign oh, wow. a unique identifier to it and and track it. And Jesus. the initial use of that is uh, to for uh, preserving and protecting marine protected areas um, to combat illegal fishing, to combat illegal trade. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, that's obviously doing good for the environment. Um, it's being, um, you know, the data is being purchased by government authorities as well as, you know, kind of like environmental defense funds and NGOs. Mm-hmm. Um, we also invested in a company called Aquatic Protein that is out of Illinois. Uh, that company is uh, based around a technology that has zero waste product coming out of it when they produce fish meal and oil. Oh, wow. um, most fish meal and oil technologies that's something that you have to deal with called stick water, which becomes an EPA regulation of, of the discharge. This has 100% utilization of it. Um, and oh, wow. the first plant that we built and put up is in Illinois. And we're remo- removing an invasive species, Asian carp, out of the Midwest River Basin, turning that into meal and oil uh, for pet food, uh, terrestrial feed, as well as aquaculture feed and fertilizer. Um, so those are a couple examples of, of the wild side that we've looked at. Um, we also recently invested in a company called SoFar Technologies. Uh, right now it's being used for shipping, but I believe it'll start to be used for by, used by fishing companies as well. Um, they have these small buoys that they've deployed out in the ocean. I think they have over 10,000 of them now that give you real-time data um, of ocean currents, weather, like Ten. water quality stuff and not not quite water quality. It's more weather at this point, but it will shift okay. towards water quality. Um, and their first product out there right now by gathering this this real time data is kind of like the Google Maps and waves of the ocean. So if hmm. someone is plotting something from you know Seattle to Busan, they have a normal chart or a normal path that they would take. Uh, this shows them the real time data of you know hey there's there's rough weather over here. There's waves at this height. The current's going this way, and it'll replot them to get them there faster, wow. uh, save carbon and save gas. That's crazy. Yeah. That's super cool. I love that. And what, what kinds of stuff are you seeing on the aquaculture side? We talk a lot about aquaculture innovation on this show. We've talked to a lot of people that are doing some innovative technologies, but I'm curious what you guys yeah. have been involved in. Yeah, no, uh, one of, that's certainly one of my favorite sectors to take a look at. And you know, we're a hundred million dollar fund to start with, as I mentioned mm-hmm. for us, with this fund size, we're not investing in like the hard infrastructure and producers and of, yeah. of aquaculture just because we can't get that far because um, mm-hmm. these are expensive expensive endeavors. So we're investing in the picks and shovels to enable more efficiencies and you know kind of revolutionary ideas in, in production um, in aquaculture. A lot of that uh, again comes down to data and what I would call precision aquaculture. Um, so we've currently made uh we've got three investments into the sector at this point uh the first i'll talk about is called viaqua and that is bringing uh it's an oral delivery platform for rna 
vaccines and therapeutics. And the first product is for shrimp. So it's combating white spot syndrome in shrimp, which is the most pervasive disease in shrimp at this point in time, along with EMS. Mm-hmm. And you can think about, you know, how, how do you treat shrimp, right? You can't pick them all up and right. give them a yeah. shot. <laughs> so this is, this is an oral delivery system, you know, of an RNA therapeutic. So think the COVID vaccine that you're taking it in a pill form. And yeah, Merck yeah. is coming out with one of those now. Um, but for shrimp. So you can put it into their feed as an additive um, and, and treat this. Uh, so that's really neat. This will you know, start with shrimp. It'll move into salmon. I think it'll eventually move into terrestrial species as well. And that's preventative? That's... Uh, this one is a therapeutic. Oh, okay. Um, but that's really based around a couple things. I think it's, you know, it's, it's based around uh, having higher regulatory approvals and, and you know, adaptability. And also because shrimp don't have an, a very, you know, big immune system. So it's hard to immunize a shrimp. Right. It's easier yeah. to treat them than to, than to immunize them. Yeah. Um, the second company that we invest in the sector is called Real Data AI. And that is using artificial intelligence and camera systems around feeding systems, biomass, and health analytics. So they're exclusively focused right now on land-based or RAS aquaculture. So um, they are, it's, it's really interesting. They're able to detect pellet counts that are in the system and automate feeding. And that automated feeding, you know, when you, when you think about it, there's there's two sides of it. People always go directly to, okay, I'm going to reduce my feed costs, which is a great way to think. Mm-hmm. You know, in aquaculture, it's kind of 70% of CapEx is the feed side. Um, and people typically overfeed right? <laughs> Let's dump a bunch of food in. We want these fish to go really fast. Yeah, you feed um, to satiation and throw a couple more handfuls in. <laughs> exactly. Um, but people really people really haven't had a good way of, of measuring this, mm-hmm. um, and they haven't had a, a good way of seeing how, how effective it is. And based on the AI, they've been able to gather enough data sets and then tie into the feeding systems to automate it. it in certain cases, it is they are saying, okay, these people are overfeeding. Let's go ahead and and change that. They could, they can test it out with different types of feed and optimize mm-hmm. the formulas of the feed. Um, in some cases, though, there are operators that are underfeeding, and when they see that, it's kind of you know, oh my gosh, you're you're underfeeding. We can shorten your grow out period by, you know, six months or something, right? right? Like I'm, that's a made up number, but <laughs> they can shorten the grow out periods as well, which it's pretty, I think, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty um, good. Uh, you're so, gonna start getting phone calls right, real quick when this right. comes out if you see. And then those guys that. are gonna be mad because <laughs> like, you set the bar really high. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, they've also taken that data and they've they've seen okay, based on feeding habits, we can tell if the fish are stressed out. Yeah. So you know, much like humans, people have different reactions when they're stressed or when things are happening in their health. They will either start eating more or they'll start eating less. So. Again, they've trained the AI to say there's a a stress event, and it'll send alerts to the farmers, you know, hey, something's going on, you need to go figure it out. Um, And then there's also a biomass uh, estimation tool. So, uh, you know, really enabling the farmers to enter into some of these future contracts because they can now understand how much biomass they'll have. You know, mm-hmm. in in the future, opposed to kind of guesswork at this point. Yeah, so, they can get and get a, a, an accurate FCR that they can kind of exactly, compare with exactly. looking into the future. That's really that's 
that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, so there's that one and there's one more, um, called Moliere and mm-hmm. that is a, a nano bubble production company. Yeah. They've so, been on the show. Oh, cool. So yeah. You, they, did you have Nick on here or Warren? Uh, you know, we may have had, that may have been, maybe both. we may have been both. I, I don't yeah. remember. Do I do this a lot, Larson, yeah. but, uh, yeah, they, that was actually a very popular episode. We, um, we had them on it was pretty yeah. cool. That was fascinating. I dove deep. I, I went down the, the rabbit hole in that one before the, the episode. That was so cool. It, that that, that one's awesome. Technology. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a cross platform technology, which, you know, started in oil and gas. So they've moved, they moved into, uh, agriculture, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and landscaping and landscaping. Yeah. And, <laughs> I mean, you're going to, you're going to see some stuff over the next year that they've gotten into too, that, I can't talk about, but oh no, uh, man, I'm excited. We we like to think of like I'm gonna start making T-shirts to say what can't nanobubbles do. Yeah, I think they can do everything. It's so cool. It's yeah. just it's so interesting. Yeah. That's so, that's really cool. Yeah, and they, even just within aquaculture, right? And you people can go listen to the other episode, but seabed remediation, you know, reducing oxygen expenses, balancing DO levels, uh, water purification, uh, knocking down algae blooms, sea lice treatment. Right? I mean, it's Deep processing floors, you can knock down Vibrio and Listeria without harmful chemicals. It's it's pretty crazy. The list goes on. Yeah, it's super yes. cool. Definitely go back. Uh, we'll make sure that we link to that episode in the show notes. Um, l- listen to that episode, listeners, because if you missed it, make sure you check it out because that that was super interesting. So what what is on the horizon? What are we looking at? Are you looking now for more? Are you kind of constantly always looking for potential investments? Or are you kind of like, you know... Did the math? We're 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 good for now, but we're gonna no, look yeah, again no, in the future. We're, we're we're continuing to look for new investments uh, throughout the supply chain and, and great entrepreneurs to support. Um, so we've made six investments year to date. We should be closing three three more by year end, I believe. Um, nice. And then we're looking to do at least eight next year. Um, and then we'll we'll continue to go from there. Um, you know, a couple of the the highlight areas that we're Main very and very interested in um, are macro and microalgae. Mm-hmm. So macroalgae, obviously, you know, kelp, seaweed, seaweeds, yeah. all the wonderful things that that can do. Whether it's a material science, whether it's a carbon sequestration play, whether it's a CPG product, uh, you know, there's there's just a lot going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, on the microalgae side, uh, you know, really thinking about high value added ingredients is an ingredient replacement so producing omega-3 oils um, as well really any 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 oil could be you know uh, replacing you know vegetable oil and soybean oil and stuff like that um, by growing microalgae um, we are, are looking at carbon sequestration plays with microalgae um, we're looking at novel ingredients through you know the growth of microalgae so that could be um, you know, stuff like pr- producing astroxanthin, um, both for human and animal consumption. Um, so that's a, that's a very interesting sector. Uh, on, we're also very interested in the, in the um, uh, alternative protein space. So when we think about the alternative protein sector, that is both plant-based protein as well as the cultivated sector. So... As I mentioned a little bit earlier, we do believe that there will be this balance between aquaculture, wild fisheries, and alternatives. Um, I, you know, the plant-based sector obviously took off in 
uh, you know, in the terrestrial side. Uh, Beyond Meat was actually the first investment that S2G ever made. So oh, wow. we've, we've got some confidence there. Yeah. Uh, you know, how that translates over to seafood, I think, will be will be very interesting. Um, you know, I think that there's always taste, which is a tough one to nail. Taste, mm. texture has to be priority number one coming out of these products. And then nutrition factors. Well, only if you want it to be successful. So Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> you want to... <laughs> want to make a change and, and make some money along the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, really nailing taste, texture, nutritional is big. And I think that on the, you know, the other alternatives that you've seen, particularly in beef, it's debatable whether or not they're actually better for you, right? People kind of think they are. I don't think they're really doing it for the environment. All they think it's better for them. Uh, right. The seafood consumer in my opinion, is a little bit more knowledgeable and health conscious about what they're putting in their body. Mm. And seafood has a pretty high bar already at the nutritional content. So yeah, that's true. Um, this is something where, you know, these, these producers are going to have to dig deep into their toolkit and really think about what they're putting in their products. You're not going to be able to just say, Hey, we're putting pea protein into a shrimp product and say, and calling it good. You're going to have to look into those microalgae producers, get, those oils into your product. Um, we're also very interested in mycelium, which is mushrooms that oh. you can you can grow mycelium in a closed containment environment and put out products that are very similar in in texture for sure and look uh, into as 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 it is in seafood. Um, and then on on the cultivated meat side, which you know for those who aren't familiar with it, is taking cells from animals. Um, you know, we're, we're looking across the spectrum through finfish, shell, shellfish, et cetera, and seafood, um, and growing them in a, in a lab-based environment. You're not growing the entire animal. You are just growing the meat um, or whatever, whatever you want to consume. Um, Jesus. I've tried this product uh, across a couple species. It is very close to being commercialized. Um, I don't think people realize that I... It's my belief there will be, um, I think there will be salmon out within two years for sure, if oh not God. next year. What a time um, to be alive. <laughs> yeah, the, I, I went down to one of the companies that I really like is called Wild Type. Uh, they're out of San Francisco. I went down and tried their salmon the other week. If you look at it, it is from the, the, the visual and texture side, it's, it's premium salmon. It's the highest quality salmon you could look at. Right. Um, the taste is is pretty damn good too. So I think I think they're close. They just need to to scale up. Um, you know, but that's wild. Yeah, and there's people doing doing other species. There's people doing tuna. There's people doing lobster. Um, we're very interested in in conversations with a company called Avant out of Singapore and Hong Kong. Um, they're pursuing fish maw um, as well as grouper, and they can produce shark fin. So a lot of these like Asian delicacies that that are super controversial and they're super controversial. Like, and people don't know a lot about fish ma. Um, but you know, that's a swim bladder and the, we, we did an episode on uh, Toto Aba. I was going to say, yeah. So you know about Toto Aba and the issue there. So, you know, if they can just grow this artificially and, and take care of some of that, that'd be great. There's obviously the, the consideration of, how much will it knock down that illegal trade in fishery? Because I think some people do 
buy it more for the show and presentation. Right. right yeah. Like, like how, how will it actually be accepted or adopted yeah. Yeah. by the, by the users? That's the, the, the users that, that'll be the hard more question. It's like, a, like a trophy, right? Right. Or anything else. And it, that's it more, you know, with, with shark fins, that is kind of more what it's about because you could replace with shark fin soup. You could replace that with any kind of right. cartilaginous part of any fish. Right. 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 <laughs> so it's really, it's really more of the, the trophy aspect of it so that'll be interesting uh to see what comes of that that i, I want to kind of keep my uh keep my nose to the ground or my ear to the ground on that yeah be interesting yeah and then i think um you know we're, we're also remain very interested in as, as i mentioned data and iot that we'll continue to pursue um but also uh looking at at the kind of the animal side of things and animal health so mm-hmm. that is largely based around uh, alternative feeds so you know making the feeds more sustainable obviously insect protein is a big one that's out there right now um, mm-hmm. uh, as well as genomics um, we think that's important there's uh, a lot of work that can be done there there's a few companies out there that are doing a great job right now um, but those are pretty centralized within a couple species and we think that genomics brood stock management things like that certainly have a lot of development to go and we hope to support those people very cool very cool. So we're actually, our time is kind of cutting away from us quickly here. But, All right. <laughs> um, I want to talk about where we grow from here. Is that, are you involved with that at all? Do you know anything about that? Absolutely. Yeah. That Let's is... talk about it because we love, on this show, we love other podcasters and we love other podcasts. And S2G has a podcast called Where We Grow From Here. And just, can you talk about that for a second? Just so we can kind of get a little little pitch out for him. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you calling that out. Um, Where We Grow From Here is a, a podcast that we put on um, quite a bit. There's You can go to our, our website at s2gventures.com and, and listen to them. We have them built out across the Food Mag portfolio. Um, generally, we either like to bring on portfolio companies and discuss you know, kind of their adventure and, and what they're pursuing, um, as well as other funds that are investing in the sector and industry specialists, um, just kind of fascinating people that are, that are you know, making a difference in the planet. And we have launched a, a S2G Oceans one. We've recorded one so far. Uh, that one, it was myself and Alexander Cousteau and Megan Riley-Caton uh, discussing the importance of, of seaweed and, and the impact that macroalgae will have in the future um, and their work around Oceans 2050. Um, we're going to have a couple more coming up here. Uh, we will be putting some out with other funds, um, you know, really understanding what the investment landscape looks like, uh, what is new on the horizon in terms of technology. And then we're looking forward to bringing on uh, some new entrepreneurs as well as people from the political spectrum. And um, you mm. know, what is what is driving this this interest in in oceans? Um, you know, I, I hope to come back and, and have some more stuff for you as well on, um, you know, media content, working with schools, working with uh, production companies around educating the consumer more. So, so if there's anyone that's listening that wants is interested in starting a dialogue with you and, and wants to, you know, potentially maybe have you as an investor or, you know, at least start the dialogue, what is the best way for people to get in contact with you? Sure thing. Yeah. So we have a form that you can fill out on s2gventures.com or you can send me an email. It's Larson. It's L-A-R-S-E-N at s2gventures.com. 
And we're always looking for new entrepreneurs and co-investors, um, you know, with that are like-minded. Awesome. Sounds good. So we'll make sure that, you know, if we have anyone that reaches out to us, we will forward them right to you. Um, we actually do get people that reach out to us pretty regularly to try and get in contact with our guests. And we always try to accommodate that when we can. So yeah. hopefully we can just keep the network growing, you know? Yeah. And, and we, we like to think that we could be helpful outside of just investment. You know, there's, there's plenty of opportunities that we offer for mentorship. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. You know, we do work with a lot of the accelerator programs, whether that's Hatch, Catapult, you know, SOA, um, there's there's a number of them out there that, that we like to work with to support the community. Um, and we also have different types of you know, referrals that we can do, whether it's, you know, looking at, at grant making capital, looking at other types of concessionary capital, things outside of venture that we're certainly happy to, to connect with and, and build the ecosystem. Awesome. Well, Larson, is there anything else that you would like to get out there while you have the platform? You know, I, I think aside just from having entrepreneurs reach out to us, you know, I would encourage the entire industry to continue to look at innovation. And if you're not supporting innovation at this time, I would encourage it. If you don't have a specific vehicle to do it, there's plenty of funds out there that are emerging along with us um, that will accept co-investments and help lead you through that process. You know, that could be ourselves. It could be AquaSpark. It could be Blue Fund. Uh, Blue Front Equity, um, it could be Ocean 14 Capital, Capital uh, Catapult Ocean. So there are a number of folks out there that are educated in this space and can be helpful. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Larson. Again, Larson Mettler, Managing Director of S2G Ventures Ocean Fund. Really appreciate you joining us. I, I, I know it was kind of a you know plain phone tag a little bit to get us together on this recording, but uh, we appreciate your patience and I, I appreciate you coming and dropping some knowledge bombs on us this was wonderful thank you so much for the opportunity thank you we'll talk to you soon okay folks that was my conversation with larson mettler of s2g ventures i hope you enjoyed it i hope you learned something and i hope you will remember to subscribe to aquademia if you haven't yet wherever you get your podcast so you can get every new episode directly downloaded onto your device as soon as it becomes available and again we are on twitter at aquademia pod if you want to contact us fill out the online form located at globalseafood.org slash podcast and remember to take a minute to leave us a rating and review wherever you get your podcast so we can get on some charts get in front of more potential listeners and grow the community. Thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you next time. Ciao. Bye.